All right, this is 7 Inches to Freedom Radio, Episode 3. I'm your host, Joe, and I'm going to play you some songs, some fast songs, some slow songs, some old songs, some new songs. And this first one is kind of new. It's uh, 2016. This is a band called Laughing Boy from British Columbia. Here we go with two songs by them.
right up top, that was Laughing Boy with a track and a half. That was Intro and The Laughing Boy. Um, just killer, killer hardcore there. Um, the demo is excellent, and it caught my eye right away. Um, it is purple on white with some stamp letters, some typewriters, uh, hand-stamped tape, cool little lyric sheet. Um, they just they did it right. They did a demo. As good as you can do a demo fucking rules um they have something newer out i was looking for better audio files because like i said i just have the tape and sometimes my my thing records or rips tapes a little quietly um so i was looking for better audio and found out that they have another ep which i have to listen to immediately after this um because i really like that band uh next was acrylics with a song called structure off of a seven inch they did on iron lung uh, i think a few years back i guess uh, my buddy john put this on a mix for me and um it was kind of in between a bunch of other songs that were like uh, kind of uh, kind of quiet. It was out of place, um, and I really liked that. Uh, it caught me off guard, and I fucking loved it. Um, I love the guitar noise on that. Um, It's got that slight warble to it, um, which same as Laughing Boy, they did too. That must be a pedal that I should really find out about because a lot of the bands I like a lot have that guitar sound, that kind of warbly like, hey, is the tape broken? Oh no, it's the guitar. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'll have to check that out. Next up, we got some classics for you. Some heavy, hot, cold rippers from way long time ago. We got the Icons of Filth with One Second to Midnight.
I want to dive right in and talk about that, you know, that whole set. But how do you come off of that song and just be like, okay, no, we'll talk about what was played before it. Man, no security fucking rules. But anyways, I got a job to do here. So um, the first track was Icons of Filth off of their Not on Her Majesty's Service demo, which came out in 1982. And I first heard that song um, on a 7-inch that had uh, like three tracks, I believe, off of that, um, that Profane Existence I don't know if they put it out or it was a bootleg. There was some kind of mystery behind it where um, either maybe it was a bootleg. They caught somebody bootlegging it and they took over distribution because the records were already pressed or something like that. But I remember it being um, sold as a benefit, I think, for them and some financial troubles they were having. Um, They had kind of a lot of benefits back in the day for, you know, various financial troubles. And I'd love to know the story behind all that stuff. Um, But maybe we'll figure it out. I don't know. But, um, yeah, that is... um, that was the only Icons of Filth I'd heard for a long time. Um, you know, growing up in a, uh, a smaller city uh, with not a very vibrant punk scene or any record stores that really sold anything remotely like punk, um, you know, there was nowhere to hear it. Um, There's nowhere to hear any other Icons of Filth. But, you know, they, they had a classic logo, and, uh, you know, I'd heard of them through the Havoc Records catalog, which we'll talk more about later. Um, but they, uh, yeah, once I finally heard other... Uh, icons of filth i loved it but it sounded different you know it was like they and um you know i realized this years later they had that was those those were demo tracks they hadn't found their sound yet um and i think i even read somewhere that stig the vocalist didn't like um his lyrics on that Uh, he said he thought they were like too cliche punk or whatever but you know they were a young band what are you gonna do but i fucking love those songs uh they're haunting they're they're like punk with kind of like a melancholy feeling to it um and I was so excited to find um, that Get Back, which is a label out of Italy, um, got the license to re-release the whole demo on an LP. Um, it's, yeah, it fucking, it sounds great. And there's, I don't know, like 12 songs from that same session. And uh, yeah, they're all really good. So if you like uh, you like what you heard, check it out. It doesn't, doesn't sound like your normal Icons of Filth stuff. Um, after that was Chaos UK off of their split with Extreme Noise Terror. And this record just must have been a fucking force when it came out, dude. Um, 
you know, like two of the noisiest bands around playing, you know, their own style of punk uh, that is, you know, similar, but also their own thing. Um, just two very influential bands on one record. Uh, just a, it's a fucking, it's a bulldozer. Uh, next up was No Security uh, with the track Marked for Life. Um, that is off a split with Doom, speaking of really strong splits. Um, I love Doom, and I kind of bought it for Doom. I'd never heard No Security before this record. And, um, yeah, I, I really never listened to the Doom side. Doom rule, you know, they're great and everything, but No Security is just, like, next level. Still, to this day, one of my favorite guitar sounds on any record is this guitar player's... It sounds like he uh, double-tracked the guitars, and one of them was slightly out of tune. Um, but it lends to it. It makes it, it unique, and it's grinding and great. And, you know, as much as people try to fucking, like, emulate other older bands from different eras and stuff, I'm so surprised no one has ever picked up this kind of guitar sound um, or has even really tried, to my knowledge. Uh, there's a fucking crystal clear picture of the guitar player from No Security on the back of the LP, and you can see what kind of guitar he's playing. He was playing this old... Um, they were manufactured in Japan. I believe this one might be like a Vantage or a Westone or something, but there was a whole bunch of companies that manufactured guitars at the same factory, or there was like one of two factories. Um, yeah, and this, you know, there was the other brands are Aria, um, Electra, which is one of my favorites, um, and yeah, Greco. Uh, they were just fucking cool guitars. And, um, you know, from my point of view, rock music, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I grew up on, but it sucks. Like, you know, Eric Clapton sucks. If I'm going to play in a band, I don't want to fucking play the same guitar Eric Clapton does or Joe Perry from Aerosmith. You know what I mean? Like Stratocasters and Les Pauls, like, yeah, they're, they're cool guitars. I like them and everything, but it's boring. I, I want to see something new and I want to hear something new. You know, I don't want anything to do with rock. And I think that's what a lot of hardcore bands were feeling at the time, too. You know, kind of like we're going to do our own thing. We're going to forge uh, our own little spot in the the music world um or maybe not i mean maybe they didn't want anything to do with the music world because music industry sucks still to this day it always sucked it was predatory and if you could do it yourself do it yourself all right so enough guitar talk um here is a band that is pretty fucking unique in their own right uh, this is gg king from atlanta with the song standing in the light
right, that was the Mighty Suck Lords with, uh, fuck, I don't remember what that song is called. It's called Folded Arms. Woo, sorry, Ooh, really showing my, uh, my amateurness here. Um, yeah, Suck Lords are one of my favorite new hardcore bands. Uh, they just rule, man. They got, like, a really cool, interesting aesthetic. They, you know, keep it close enough to home where you're just like, this fucking rips. I don't have to think too much about it. Um, but there's also something there. Um, they're from Portland, I guess. So, yeah. Oh, and actually, um, I think I heard about Suck Lords because um, I believe one of the dudes in Suck Lords does a zine. And I got the zine. It's been the first zine I got in a while because uh, zines just kind of took a fucking nosedive there for a minute. And I wrote him and was like, hey, man, you did something really cool. Um, I loved your zine. I hope I see more of it. I wish I could fucking remember what that zine is called now. Um, but, yeah, so here's a zine I did from a year or two ago and some other bullshit. Here's a demo from my band or whatever. And he wrote me a letter and he's like, holy shit. He's like, I haven't gotten a real punk letter in a long time. Um, so he responded with the real punk letter and it was awesome. Sucks. I have to talk about that and, you know, say how cool it is to actually receive a letter. But, um, yeah, suck Lords rule, man. Um, they have something newer out too, but I just kind of been in my own world of work and family and I just haven't had a chance to check it out, but I'm going to rectify that soon or else. Before that in the set was Junk Drawer from Buffalo. Um, That came out in 2016 on the Black Dots label. Um, That was a tape, and I believe it's the only thing Junk Drawer did. Um, Just great, kind of like something off, a little dark about that band. Um, And it's great, good stuff. They are one of those countless bands that put out just like one ripping tape and then we're done. Um, So yeah, there you go. Starting off that set was Gigi King with Standing in the Light off of uh, this awesome LP, Unending Darkness. That is kind of the um, the only song that really sounds like that on that LP. The whole LP is kind of like a mindfuck. Um, that song really kind of kicks it up a notch. And speaking of kicking it up a notch, here is a set of music from a band from Pennsylvania that really... Uh, they were kind of the most interesting thing in hardcore at the time to me. Um, and their songs are so fucking short and fast, I am playing a bunch of them. So here you go. Here's Dead Radical.
that is Drugs of Faith um, off of their first LP. Um, that is the band fronted by Richard Johnson, who is of Enemy Soil fame, who Enemy Soil are one of my favorite bands ever. Um, we're definitely going to be doing a deep dive into some of their records and stuff in later episodes um, and possibly even talking to Richard. Um yeah, great dude, great fucking band. Um, he just got riffs that are so ugly, and it sounds like he's playing the guitar so hard. Um, and everybody in the band is playing their instruments so hard that they're, you know, going to break them. And uh, I love that. It's fucking great. I played that song after two uh, Dead Radical songs for a reason. Um, I feel like those bands are very similar, um, kind of songwriting and style, but uh, just take different approaches, you know, like, I think Dead Radical probably did lots of uppers when they were, you know, writing those songs. And Drugs of Faith were dealing with the same kind of thoughts and emotions there, but a different chemical in their brain was telling them to kind of shoot for a groove instead of just straight up pummeling you. Um, but yeah, they're great. Both bands. Um, Dead Radical, they completely blew me away. They were kind of um, around the same time as a band I was in that was pretty active. And we played together a few times here and there in different states and became friendly with those guys. Um, and man, they just fucking... I don't think there was anything else like them in that kind of like uh, power violence resurgence that was coming out, um, like fast hardcore thing that was in like the mid-2000s. Um, they were just next level. Um, Lyric-wise, um, it was... You know, it was just a crazy stream of conscious kind of storytelling um, about a world that was like drug addled and dependent. Um, and, uh, you know, all their songs kind of addressed topics much better and more precisely than, say, if you sat down to discuss, you know, whatever, you know, poverty or, you know, drug abuse or any kind of specific topic. Their, their way of telling it um, and kind of, you know, it, it involved like, you know, just crazy dark stories that I think were probably part personal, part like, you know, pop culture, part fucking just uh, hallucinations. It, it, dude, they were just, it was just, I don't even really know what to say about them. Um, they, uh, yeah, they're a great band. And at that time, uh, the most exciting thing happening in hardcore. Next up, we're going to jump into the way back machine and play a track by a band called Fork, who uh, go ahead and try to search them online see what comes up nothing
That was a set of dying and ghosts and uh, killing yourself and dealing with stuff. Um, yeah, I started off that with uh, Fork, which I don't really know much about Fork. Uh, they just rule. That's all I'm going to say. Old noisy noise rock uh, stuff with some kind of grungy 90s influence. Um, yeah, great band. Like I said, you're not going to be able to search them and find anything. Um after that was one of my favorite songs ever by one of my favorite bands ever, Women's Prison. Um, they are uh, also from Atlanta, just like Gigi King. They're from the same camp. Um, and that song's called Grave. Uh, I always, that song stuck out to me the first time I listened to the record, and I've listened to this fucking record a lot. Um, and today might be the first time that I've really sat down with the lyrics to this song in particular. Um, and it's just really, really good, and I can relate. Um, I, I'm assuming it's about... You know, the losing losing of a friend who um, maybe, uh, you know, it's weird when you lose a friend, um, especially when you're older and like you didn't grow up with their family. So their family don't know you. They look at you like you're a stranger and you're maybe part of the problem and maybe some of the reason that your kid, their kid died. You know what I mean? It's like... Um, I don't know. It was really weird. I lost a, I lost a friend a little bit ago and it was like that. I showed up and I didn't know his parents cause his parents were awful to him. Um, and yeah, it was, it was kind of like, it was just like this fake niceness that they were like, Oh, you know, any friend of so-and-so's our, our sons is a friend of us. And it's like, nah, man, your kid hated you and I hate you too. Um, but I'm sorry for your loss. And that song really captures all of it. Um, you know, the numbing, experience of going to the funeral um the surreal and you know kind of awfulness of just losing a close friend after that was post teens with mexican painkillers um that's just a song about coping and feeling fucked up uh post teens are great and they just came out with a new lp that is a collection of all of their seven inches and um and eps all put into one with some unreleased tracks which is awesome because uh yeah, I didn't, you know, I don't always want to put on like four, seven inches when I want to listen to a band. Um, so yeah, pick up that post teen shit. It is fucking awesome. After that was a band called, uh, baby ghosts with a song called ghost boyfriend. Um, and the lyrics to that are fucking amazing too. Um, they, it's just, uh, it's a cool take on, you know, a weirdo look at relationships, I guess. Um, and it's just a beautiful song. Sorry about the skip in that, by the way. Uh, my record has a skip. I can't help it. I'm not going to go look for songs online. So, uh, yeah, Baby Ghost Rules. That was put out by Hip Kid um, and Jim Geis. Cool motherfucker. Um, next up, we're going to bring this whole episode to a close with some fucking anarcho-punk. This is Mankind.
taken from the labor of the whole people, and then captured by a few to enrich their own culture and their own knowledge. An economy which forces people to choose between starving and suffocating is simply not the kind of economy that we want. Some of the worst in humanity comes simply from people saying, that's not my department. It's a kind of minus time in which whatever, whatever capitalism touches turns to shit. Part of the story beginning, oh my brothers. was three fast ones from code 13 um off of their third record and one of the first records i ever got um called 
a part of America died today. Uh, that's my favorite seven inch by them. It fucking rules. Um, it sounds different than their other stuff. Not as like burly, I guess. And I love it. I think the guitars thinned out and, uh, the drums like just ultra fast sound. Um, it sounds a lot less like a continuation of destroy and more just like a, a fucking ripping hardcore band destroy by the way is, uh, the vocalist of code 13 Felix Havoc's previous band. Um, they were more kind of on the grind tip. The band before that was a little-known anarcho-punk band from Maine called The Commonwealth. Uh, this is off their split with Corporate Death Squad. Um, it came out on Black Spring Project. Um, and that was actually my first trade ever. I think they had an Angel Fire site, and I had an AOL site. I sold patches and stuff that I printed in my bedroom, and they sold. Uh, they had a couple records and I think some literature and some patches and stuff. So we traded. Um, and... Yeah, I, I, the Corporate Death Squad side isn't super hot. It's not the best. It's kind of run-of-the-mill anarcho-punk stuff from the you know late 90s. Um, but man, I fucking love that Commonwealth side. And that chorus of the song we heard is going to be forever ingrained in my memory. The capitalism has to expand to survive. What's going to happen if everything's industrialized? It's not a matter of if we stop it. It's a matter of when. Because if we don't stop it, there'll be nothing left. I think I will remember that until I die. That's going to be one of those things that just never never goes away and starting off this set was mankind with let her be that's off of their split with the anarcho-punk legends dirt um who i think uh the vocalist stacy actually went over and um she went to the uk and sang with them for a bit i don't uh, i don't actually know how that whole story turned out but uh pretty sure that was the end of mankind um i they released one record later uh that was a split with final warning but i think that was like way after they were done if i remember correctly and on the topic of anarcho-punk and uh, more specifically that Code 13 record, um, like I said before, that was that was one of the first three records I got, and it was a real game changer for me. Um, the other ones, you know, they were they were punk records too. I'll get to them. I'll talk about them one day. I want to blow all my stories in one uh, one episode. But um, I brought that um, that seven inch, that Code 13 seven inch, a part of America died today. I brought it over to a friend's house. Um, and I was listening to it um, kind of over by myself in the corner with the record player. And, uh, you know, it starts off and, and we were, everybody was having a good time. And uh, it was, you know, a buddy of mine and, and another friend of mine. And they, um, you know, once it really gets going, once it gets into the grind part, which is just kind of mayhem, you know, blast beats and just, they, uh, they couldn't take it. And they were like, what the fuck is this? You know, they're like, turn it off. And uh, I was I was appalled. I was kind of like, "What do you mean? What is, this is punk? This is what you know? This is what we're doing now, right? I mean, aren't aren't you guys on board with this?" Um, and they were not, uh, you know, which is fine. It's it's pretty abrasive, but it was it was just that was kind of an eye opener for me. You know, it really snapped me out of it because I was I got this new thing that I loved and I thought we all shared, and um, you know, I was like probably looking at the lyric sheet while I was listening to it, trying to follow along with the Spitfire lyrics, like, cause I had never, you know, heard anything this fast before. Um, and they kind of made me feel like an asshole about it. Um, listening to this, this fucking, you know, foreign kind of new thing. And yeah, it was just, it was a fucking game changer for me. Um, much like all of that stuff from Havoc Records and Profane Existence, um, I really think, especially Havoc Records, I think they kind of now are having, they're getting some of the respect that they uh, deserve. And same with Felix Havoc. Um, I think back when Anarcho Punk was around and it was more, um, 
were kind of like prevalent. I think people were kind of annoyed with it because, you know, some of the participants who subscribed to that, you know, specific sub sub genre were kind of, you know, annoying or whatever. I'm sure I was one of them. But, uh, yeah, I, if you look back at those old Havoc's record, Havoc records catalogs, that is just like, I mean, it's as important as, as anything to hardcore, um, especially in the United States. I mean, like there was so much international stuff back then. I mean, if you look through the bootleg shirts that he did, it's every band that is cool. You know, every band that is now like lauded and everybody knows, you know, it's one of the first downloadable things once you get into, you know, hardcore punk, uh, they had stuff from, you know, they had confused, they had BGK, they had just, you name it. Um, and old us hardcore too. And, um, I really, I really am glad to see a lot of people kind of, um, giving them their due because they fucking deserve it. Um, and I think Felix Havoc, you know, uh, I think he was kind of too much of a character for some people through, you know, people knew him through his columns in heart attack and then in maximum rock and roll and, um, you know, through the bands and stuff. And, and he, he had fun, you know what I mean? He posed with guns and motorcycles and dogs and shit. And as serious as, um, you know, they were about the lifestyle and revolution and punk and anarchism and everything. Um, you know, they had fun. You got to have fun. But back to the uh, Havoc Records catalogs. I mean, those were, that was the internet to us. You know, that was to hear about bands you've never heard of. Um, you know, I really think that was as important to kind of my generation, um, maybe like third wave punk um, as the fucking uh, Pusshead, cat- uh, Pusshead columns were in Thrasher and Maximum Rock and Roll talking about like Japanese hardcore and all the international stuff, you know, which um, Felix Havoc just did a, um, a podcast about, which is really good. If you want to dive into 80s hardcore, um, just the stuff that matters, this is a fucking, this is like a definitive list almost. Um, it's really good. He's put together with um, Eric from Negative Insight Zine, which is one of the best scenes going today. They They kind of go back through punk history and dig up good stuff this podcast was put together to commemorate um 30 years since uh pushead released his best hardcore of the 80s um it was a list that was originally published in thrasher magazine and it's a really cool document of uh hardcore punk's past i think you know it's it listens way better than american hardcore and a lot of those other kind of like hack um books on the subject from outsiders um this is you know they they don't just play the music you know felix havoc kind of goes back and talks about uh the political climate and the just what was going on in the 80s you know during um when this music was being released so if that sounds interesting to you um check it out at negativeinsight.com. uh they give you a link to i think a soundcloud and a uh youtube site uh that plays all the songs and you can check it out and with that recommendation, we're going to close out this episode with one more track by Code 13 uh, off that same 7-inch because it's just so good um, and I didn't really know where to stop. If you have any feedback or uh, stories about any of the bands I've talked about or just want to get in touch for any reason, uh, shoot me an email at sitfzine at gmail.com. All right, here's Code 13. See you next time.